This is WCM's Park Update, a weekly show covering the outdoor hospitality industry hosted by Ben Quiggle and Mike Gast. During each episode, you'll hear from special guests and campground experts on topics that will help your park flourish. WCM's Park Update is a production of Woodall's Campground Magazine. Hi, I'm Ben Quiggle, editor of Woodall's Campground Magazine, and this is another edition of WCM's Park Update. Of course, my colleague Mike Gast is here, former vice president of communications at Campgrounds of America. And our show is sponsored by New Book, a premier reservation software provider for the outdoor hospitality industry. And um, our guest is Mary Arlington, who I, I don't know if I can list all of your titles, Mary, because if I did, we'd be here for the whole show. Because that's okay. Three, she uh, executive director of three states, uh, Colorado, uh, South Dakota, and Kansas. And uh, she used to be a former park owner before deciding that the executive director thing was a good idea, I guess. Right, Mary? <laughs> well, pretty much. I sold the park and started to get some offers for different avenues in the industry. And here I am all these years later. So yeah. 24 years in the industry, and it's always an exciting time. I'll tell you, Sometimes I look at the situation and wish that I was still a campground owner in today's exciting world. And then other times I'm so glad that that was in my past and I'm now in this position. Yeah, definitely. Well, you, so. get to, you get to uh, work with some more, some highly skilled people, at least in the campground business, where we have a lot of campground campers out there that aren't so skilled anymore. <laughs> we have people on all levels from... Uh, total naive and, and um, uh, what do I want to say? Very basic skill sets all the way up to those who have a whole lifestyle of it. Mm -hmm. And in the park industry, I have brand new owners and I have people who, you know, third generation in the family. Yeah. Well, that, that's awesome. Um, and you recently, last year, was it last fall? You took a drive. You oh yeah Colorado. Was that last well, fall? Last year, last year, I spent four months on the road and ultimately visited over 600 campgrounds in Colorado oh. and South Dakota. And you did Those all two states. And you did all that with an RV or with a car? Or what, what were you traveling on? <laughs> Thanks for asking. No, I, uh, I started out with an RV at one point, but then we discovered that it's far easier to do these trips in a car. First of all, there's yeah. the mileage. Second of all, dare I tell you how many times I've had to do a U-turn to go back because I've missed a turn or I've missed a driveway or it's easier in a car. <laughs> but at the same time, so many campgrounds today in our memberships have cabins, covered wagons, teepees, yurts, yeah. all these things. So the members have stepped up and said, while you're traveling around, we're going to host you. And we kind of put together a plan. And it's worked out very well. I've had the absolute pleasure of camping in all sorts of accommodations. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on was because we had recently posted an article on uh, WCM about something to do in Colorado about an issue that I think uh, many people are uh, looking at is just the, you know, what is an RV park? And I know some officials in different states, you know, different counties, cities are looking, they're having housing crises, and some of them are looking at RV parks and thinking, boy, this kind of looks maybe like a mobile home park or 
like a long-term thing going on. I know California has had some of those issues and that was the gist of the article last week in the Denver Post. I guess we just wanted to bring you on and talk maybe a little bit about that. Um, I guess uh, what what is, you know, what are they trying to do here in Colorado, I guess? Well, actually, and to clarify, Jeff Kreider called me to talk yeah. about the situation. And I said, there really isn't a situation uh, like what is happening in California. It's, yeah. it's a different monkey that we've got going on in Colorado. So I bowed out of that topic and focused um, with you on this one, this Mobile yeah. Home Park Act. So the, the the situation in Colorado is that some very kind and considerate legislators recognize the issues in Colorado with affordable housing. Mm -hmm. And they enacted a, a, well, there's a Mobile Home Park Act, and it rather protects the rights of those residents who live in affordable housing. And the stipulation is that if you have five or more of these mobile homes, then you must comply with the Mobile Home Park Act. Mm -hmm. And honestly, when it came to legislative affairs, it it wasn't on our radar at all. It was all about residents. It was all mm -hmm. about citizens. It was all about landlords and tenants. Mm -hmm. And when this issue came to my desk, I went to the uh, Tourism Industry Association of Colorado and said, hey, did I fall asleep at the wheel? Did you guys discuss this? And I missed it. And it, it wasn't on their It hadn't been on their radar either. Now. Obviously, it's on all of our radars. <laughs> uh, but the issue is that some campgrounds have five or more non-RV certified structures. Yeah. And some people have found it in their power to sue the business and say, you're out of compliance with the Mobile Home Park Act, which has created a big nightmare because these park owners basically were saying, I'm not a mobile home park. I have yeah. 150 RV sites and I have all these tent sites and I have these structures that are owned by individuals. They're not even owned by the park. Yeah. But, uh, and, and, and of course, when I threw into the mix, well, does it have an RVIA sticker? They're like, well, I don't know. I don't own it. <laughs> so, so anyway, the, the basic situation is that the Mo Mobile Home Park Act in Colorado requires that those with five or more mobile homes register and comply with the Colorado Mobile Home Park Act. Now, okay. when these parks got sued, uh, you know, I started to receive emails as to, um, you know, is it, are others being sued? What's going on? What do you know about this? And uh, I, I did a little tally this morning. I have over 200 emails on the subject. Almost 100% of them, I'd say 98% of them are from the last six weeks. Well, yeah. So it's, it's you know, once once it became in our radar, it mushroomed into a huge ordeal. Um, basically, we are saying our businesses cater to tourists. Our yep. businesses are concerned about guests, about attractions, cuisine, 
history, local things to see and do, adventures, you know, want to go backpacking or hiking, ATVing and all that stuff. When you have a mobile home park and I'm looking at going into the, to that mobile home park as opposed to that RV park, my thoughts probably would be, what's the school district like for my kids? What kind of doctor's offices are nearby? Um, Got to get my car tagged and, and my driver's license and, gee, what doctors are nearby? The, two different, like, radars that a guest versus a resident is seeking before they sign up and pay. Yeah. And so as I've been talking to various reporters, I've said when my people get together and chat with others in their industry, these are their concerns. How do I best run my park? How do you promote other attractions? How do you work with these restaurants? How do you connect with these people? As a park owner, I can tell you, I never once checked into the school district to say, what kind of school district do I live in? <laughs> yeah. And so the residents are concerned about one type of category. This act was created to protect Colorado residents. This, the, the one particular mobile home park that is in our membership that's being sued, 100% of their guests are from out of state. They're not from Colorado. They're from the Southern tier where it gets to be what? 9,000 degrees in July. And here's Colorado right here at elevation 8,000 feet where it's nice and cool and comfortable. So they have these summer getaways. Yeah. And, so and so there is a huge difference in our clientele. There's a huge difference in the business, the, the business model that these Mobile home parks versus RV parks are looking at. Um, what's, what's our members the, are basically saying you're trying to put a residential law upon out-of-state mm -hmm. visitors. How yeah. have your concerns been met at the legislative level? Have there been uh, has there been any any understanding on their part? Yeah, that's yet to be seen. We, I, I reached out to a representative who was quoted in the Denver Post article. I reached out and basically said, are you aware? Because you were one of the creators of this act. And when you created it, was this your intention? And his response was that he wasn't aware that these campgrounds were being sued. And mm -hmm. then in the Denver Post story, it came out that he, he didn't have a problem with the campgrounds being pulled into the situation. So naturally, that didn't settle very well with us. Uh, he's not the only author of it, and and we're still working on that. We also have other reporters still working on it within Colorado, and of course, there's you know uh, there's the park owners who are involved. There's their lawyers who are involved, and I have limited content that I'm allowed to share because that's not is me. This, is yeah, is this so? I know, and I know we mentioned California to be. I know you guys. Yeah, obviously, it's two different issues, but I know other states, too, have had issues with uh, defining, like, what a park is, um, right. you know, because I think there's such a wide range of parks. I mean, you got 55 plus. Obviously, some of those uh, parks, you know, have some pretty permanent structures on them. Um, you've got the RV parks, the resorts, the campgrounds, and depending on which campground or RV park you go to, some of them do have, like, well, I guess what you would classify maybe a couple mobile homes on them, 
They have the park model RVs, which are registered with the RVIA. Um, you know, they have their RV sites. I guess um, it just seems like, you, you know, for some officials, it's just difficult to figure out what exactly a recreational park looks like, I guess. Yes. And in Colorado, I would say actually in all three of my states, but certainly Colorado probably first, that I see that definition needing to be created sooner rather than later. It has not yet been created. Um, when we've had issues at the uh, health and environment level, maybe with sewage flow and capacity and that sort of thing, mm -hmm. uh, those codes, they've always said, okay, we understand so if it has if it's been certified by the RV industry, then it's an RV and you you're okay. Yeah. But let's say somebody hand makes a tiny house and brings it in, or I'm not sure, maybe even a bus conversion, old school bus converted in. I'm not sure how those are certified. That's not my forte. But if it doesn't have that sticker, then it doesn't comply with the building of that park with the infrastructure of that park so so yeah. far the state has leaned toward that but of course in the last probably 10 or 15 years we've seen a surge of these non-rbia certified structures and that's yeah. going to become critical concern i know um some of the glamping structures you know uh, you know not all of them are rbia certified um, so that's kind of an interesting process um, and, you know, how officials view those, I guess, um, you know, moving forward. But it's kind of an interesting topic because, you know, the housing crisis is a big deal. And I know we see all the time on WCM stories about people living in RVs, um, you know, full time now, more and more college students, workers. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of interesting how that's kind of changing the dynamics for the industry, I guess. It is. And I can tag on to that and say last legislative session in South Dakota, we fought that very, we fought issues regarding that very um, topic where we have uh, very relaxed laws on becoming a South Dakota resident, bring your RV up, camp one night, get your tags, get your voting rights, head on down the road and come back very rarely and you're still qualified so they began trying to change the voting laws and yeah. one of the there were quite a few bills most of them died thankfully um but one of the one of the ones that struck my nerve was that they said that you can't register to vote using a campground address and i'm like so you're going to take away the voting rights of all my campground owners who live on site and their extended family. So you got Junior who went off to college but uses the campground address. You have the mother-in-law who moves in, retired, not working at the campground, not an employee. I mean, just a whole big old can of worms. And these legislators, their eyes just got bigger and bigger. Like, whoa, we didn't we didn't know the ramifications of what we were saying. <laughs> so do I see those bills coming back? I don't see them coming back this session because by the time this session's bills become laws will be in the midst of an election they don't like to change election laws in the midst of an election year they like to change them before that yeah so yeah. you know i i don't think it's completely dead we preserved our rights for that go round. but yes the, these these are concerns as to are you living full-time what's the definition of a home 
And um, so yep. I, I definitely see Colorado will probably be the first to bring it up because we've got to overcome this Mobile Home Park Act. Uh, we don't want to be classified as a mobile home park. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. So. Yeah. I, I will add too, you know, I visited 400 and some, 430 or 50 campgrounds in Colorado. Most do not have five or more. Yeah. Most, the vast that, majority don't. Is that a real arbitrary number? Where does five come from and, and what's magic about <laughs> it other than it's part of the law? <laughs> Thank you for asking. I don't have the question, the answer, but I have the question on my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that is an interesting yeah you know what yeah what you think it'd be, about it'd make more it'd make more sense if it was a percentage of sites or something yes. like that yeah rather because you yeah I, I could see that you know gosh what what if, to your point what if it's uh the owner and five family members that have <laughs> their their units there that that are living on the park right does that make, does that make it a mobile home park right yeah. and yeah. and another thing that matter that that we want to make sure we're understanding of is, does it matter who owns these? If the mm -hmm. park owns these, and like you just said, you know, mom's in this one and, and mm -hmm. uncle's in this other one, versus these at the park that is a member that's in suit that is actively involved in these communications, uh, they're not owned by the park. They're owned by the person who has full residence in Texas or Arizona or someplace else. So, um, but yeah. you know, once an act takes place, once there is a law, it doesn't take much to tweak it. So someday, even if it says that it's gotta be owned by the park, someday it might not say that. Yeah. So well, I know you've got, you've got a window into what, what's going on in your <laughs> states. Do you see this as, as an issue that's gonna sweep across the country and that every state's gonna have to deal with? I am, well, first of all, this one didn't catch my radar because it was a bill that was focused on residential law. What, and, and it didn't talk about RVs at all. I would hope that everybody's eyes are open so that they're not blindsided like I was, but I'm not in a position of being able to tell you hmm. how far spreading this is. Yeah. Well, uh, we have to take a break uh, to recognize our sponsor, New Book, and then we will be right back. Calling all campground operators, owners, front desk heroes, say hello to your show sponsor, NewBook, your connected hospitality management solution packed with the power to streamline your operations, maximize revenue, increase bookings, and deliver memorable guest experiences. Thanks to its suite of innovative and easy-to-use tools, backed by an expert customer support team cheering you on 24-7. So if you're ready to level up your campground and unlock more opportunities, head to newbook.cloud to start your journey today. Hi, welcome back to WCM's Park Update, sponsored by NewBook. And we are talking with Mary Arlington, the Executive Director of State Associations in Colorado, South Dakota, and Kansas. And she's looking for more, right, Mary? So maybe, you know, Idaho. I have crazy on my yeah. You know, why not make it a dozen, half dozen? So uh, um, what we were just talking a little bit about the Mobile Home Park Act in uh, Colorado. I guess one of the questions I had for you was, do you think there's work to be done on the on park owners' parts about how they describe and market their parks? Um you know, is is there anything to be done on that front as far as making sure that they're marking them as recreational destinations and not like places where you can 
stay forever, I guess? You know, I, I think my answer to that is that as an association, we we never tell you how to run your park, yeah. but we like to educate on the ramifications of doing things one way versus another. And in, in an ideal world, when you apply, this is ridiculous, but in an in a ideal situation, when you applied for your Colorado campground permit, they would require you to join us. And then we could educate them on benefits of this pattern of a business plan and this path and this path. Because quite honestly, there are customers for every park in America. Yeah. If you want to be uh, in an RV 365 days a year and, and it works for you, go for it, I guess. Uh, who am I to stop you from it? <laughs> But if you're the park owner and that's who you're catering to, you just need to understand the ramifications. What is the ramification of receiving mail for somebody? I used to say that if my, as a park owner, if I received a letter from Mr. Smith in site two and I gave it to him, he could literally take that down to the library and get a library card. That's the easiest residential claim to make. You just have to have a piece of mail. And then from there, it snowballs. Suddenly they've got voting rights and on and on and on. They can get their medical insurance in your state and all that stuff. So yeah. I didn't allow it, but I knew that. And I knew that because I was so involved in the National Association and of course my own state level. So I was educated and I was aware and I made my decisions accordingly. That's all I want people to do is know the ramifications. I think these people who freely accept mail at their park Maybe they do, and maybe they don't quite know all the ramifications. This is big, though. The Colorado Mobile Home Act, I neglected to mention this, the benefits of the people who live at that park, at that mobile home park that have agreed, you know, that are certified as or, or registered as a mobile home park. Now, as the park owner, I have to give a whole lot of notice that I'm going to come onto your property and work on a sewer main or something. I have to give you first right of purchase of my property when I go sell mm -hmm. it. There's, it's not just, oh, they can go get a driver's license. And some people say, I don't care, let them get a driver's license. Well, yeah. now all of a sudden I have a buyer who walks in the door and I can say this for, from experience. My park was not for sale when a buyer came along. So a buyer walks in, says, I want to buy your park. And we start negotiating and boom, we got a cool deal. Now he's going to go through his due diligence. But, oh, wait, I'm a mobile home park because I have six mobile homes. Sorry. Um, if I have to stop this purchase arrangement and wait for my guests, my residents, to decide if they want to buy my land they could take six, eight months. They could take probably a year of due diligence and trying to figure out who's got the money and let me sell this house so that I can do this and I can buy. And then they can come back and say, you know what? We can't get the money. Well, in the meantime, my buyer is long gone. Yeah. I'm not happy. <laughs> so how are you communicating this to your Colorado membership? How do you, how do you keep them up to, up to speed on what's going on? Uh, we did immediately do a survey of the members and asked how many people. First of all, we didn't even know. <laughs> 
I went to the registry that shows who all is registered to be a mobile home park. And I recognized a couple of names and said, yeah, they do. They, they have 10 or they have 12. So I reached out to the attorney and said, I'm not quite seeing the ramifications on my industry on this. And he says, that's because so few people know about it that they haven't yet registered. So we got the word out. How many of you have five or more? That narrowed the field. And then we began talking, saying, here's, here's what you need to know. And, uh, and one person went so far as to say that they went through the process to register to be a mobile home park in Colorado. And they have advice for the others. If you have five or more, sell them and get down to five, four or less. It's not mm -hmm. worth it. <laughs> I don't think that's the state intended for business owners to be in this situation. I truly don't. I hope they didn't intend for it. So how yeah. are you, uh, on the other side of that, how are you educating legislators or, or is there a lobbying effort in underway to make sure that they understand uh, what a mobile home park is and what a campground is? We're really just starting that ball. Like I said, the 200 emails are mostly from the last six weeks. So we're still putting mm -hmm. our forces together. Of course, that was in the during during the camping season when none of my members could come up for air and say, you know, I'll be on that committee or I'll help reach out to my legislators. So we're really in the infancy stage of it. So are you concerned that this gets your associations into into a political format where you are endorsing the candidates that agree with your positions? Um, that I'm not sure about. We've never done that in the past. We've always hit upon topics themselves. We're we're for this bill, we're against this bill. We've never said we're for this person or against this person. I won't say never, but I hope we don't get to that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, um, I also wanted, you know, how I read a story the other day about the South Dakota Association. I know we talked quite a bit about Colorado. Um, you guys just met and went over a bunch of legislative stuff in South Dakota, um, which is very active. I guess, how are things going in the Dakotas, I guess? I would say South Dakota is very alive and well and active, participating. So when we got together, this two-day meeting had absolutely nothing to do with me reporting to them. You know, here's what I did. Here's what we did. Here's what... We plan to do this whole event centered around what's happening at your park. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? And I mean, obviously I shared, I, nobody can keep me quiet. <laughs> I shared what I had heard from others. Um, I, when I knew that somebody in the room had had an issue, I made sure that issue got discussed and brought yeah. to the attention of everybody in the room. Through that, it became apparent to the attendees who fortunately there were plenty on the board in attendance and to be able mm -hmm. to say, you know, this isn't a healthy situation. We need to, we need to fix this. So when the public health department told one of our uh, members that there's a goofy law that they're not in compliance with, but they acknowledged that it was a goofy situation, then let's fix that goofy situation rather than making that park comply with a goofy criteria. So these are things that came to the attention of the board. We're going to put them on the agenda. Uh, I don't remember. Next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, we have a board meeting. And they, they in turn, determine what gets sent to their Legislative Affairs Committee, which is in-house legislative group. And 
that group looks at every bill that comes out January, February, March, uh, between the Legislative Affairs Committee and the Board of Directors and the Executive Committee, they all figure out which bills we're going to tackle and what our stand is. Are we for it or against it? And we have we have one bill in the chute. I think we have two more that we have planned to go in the chute. And then, of course, these three topics that came up um, in our meeting last week that the board will be addressing next week. So they're a very awake, alert, energized group. I'll go so far as to say most of our members leave the state for the off season and our legislative session is January, February, March. Yeah. They've been known to come back for a hearing to give a two minute presentation to a committee because that's how important it is that they, that their voice be heard. So they're, they're gung ho strong. Yeah. And, uh, how has the legislative activity that you work on changed over the last several years? Have you noticed, you know, more legislate, more of a need to keep an eye on that stuff, maybe more than in the past? Yes. In the past, well, in the early days of my time, we relied on Jeff Sims at Arvik to tell us what was yeah. of coming down the chute. Uh, at some point, I began reading all the bills and I would take it to the committee and say, I think this impacts you. Last legislative session, I got bolder because now we're starting, the, the members are getting a little tired of me showing them all these bills, <laughs> quite frankly. And so I sent them this bill on the voting and they're like, yeah, no, that's not us. We're not worried about that. Let somebody else fight that. And I, and I sat there and I, I was like, they're missing it. They don't see the word. So I sent it back to the president and I'm like, go to this line and look at this word. And he's like, oh my gosh, yes, we have to take a stand on this, you know? But you're just skimming bill after bill after bill after bill. It gets dull. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not exciting reading. <laughs> so anyway, I would say that um, it's changed tremendously. They hired me to be their lobbyist. So I uh, am at the Capitol a lot waiting for certain people to come out of certain rooms so that I can talk to them. I have my limited areas of the Capitol that I'm allowed to be in uh, with that lobbyist badge. And we're doing amazing things there. I'm, I'm so proud of my South Dakota members for the actions that they've, they've changed the laws they've enacted. They've got the inherent risk um, limitation of liabilities in place here that went into place last, last July. They've got the ejection law on their side that went into place last July. I'm talking about 2022. Yeah. Um, and we've got more in, in the shoot for now. So when you were a, uh, uh... A simple campground owner. Did you ever did ever visualize the day when you'd be lobbying the legislatures over over bills? <laughs> no, I remember the very first time I spoke to a senator, a state senator, and I was on my way to Washington D.C. This senator happened to live down the road from me, and I was on my way to Washington D.C. for my very first legislative day on the Hill, and I told him just how just terrified I was, and he sat me down and reminded me that these legislators are humans, put their shoes on, just like you do. And they need to make informed decisions. And if you don't inform them, then they're making decisions without being properly informed. Yeah. And that was all it took when I, uh, that, that was back in the day when David Gorin was 
doing the DC efforts. And uh, after one of the days on the Hill, David said around the room, how did it, you know, how did it feel to walk into these senators offices? And after I finished my spiel, he said, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, I just made David Gorin speechless. <laughs> well, uh, well, Mary, it's always great to chat with you. Are you, you're going to be at the glamping show, right? Or not I've got year? a full, I have a full autumn lined up with the glamping show, Arvix right. OHCE and uh, Camp Countdowners Expo in Branson. So I'll see you wherever you are. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. And uh, uh, thanks everyone for watching. Thank you. Background experts on topics that will help your park flourish. WCM's Park Update is a production of Woodall's Campground Magazine.
Thank you for listening to WCM's Park Update, a production of Woodall's Campground Magazine. Join us for a new show each Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, YouTube, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn for daily news and updates, and subscribe to our news feed on our website at woodallscm.com. Show hosts are Ben Quiggle and Mike Gast. Executive producers Rick Kessler and Alex Burkett. Copyright 2022, G&G Media Group.